Welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about globalization and the effects it has on Ireland and its relationships with other countries around the world over the last 50 years or so. In each program, we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country to get their unique perspective on globalization as it has affected them, their country and its relationship with Ireland. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience from both me and from my guests from around the world. In recent programmes, we have had guests join us from Croatia, Spain, Poland, Mexico and the United States. Today, we have something slightly different in that we will be talking to a person originally from one country, but who lives in another which is an increasingly common feature of our globalised world. Today, we will be talking to another American, Rob Stockwell, but an American who has been living, working and running a family business in southwestern Spain since the 1980s. Rob lives with his wife, Kate, and family in the province of Cadiz in Spain, or as the Spanish call it, Cadiz, or even Cai, home to some of the best wines, best beef, yes, beef, and best tuna fish in the world, as well as some of the finest beaches in the whole of Europe. Rob's business is called Supermax Foods and manufactures Mexican food products such as tortilla chips, flour tortillas, corn tortillas, chili con carne, and Mexican salsas and seasonings for the European market for retail, restaurants, and food service. Although Spain and Mexico have long historical connections, the arrival of Mexican food in Spain is a very recent phenomenon that has taken place over the last 20 years or so, and one that has faced a real uphill battle in Spain in the early days, and Rob will tell us more about that presently. Rob himself is originally from the US state of Maine, and as the son of a US Air Force officer, lived in several overseas locations as a child, including Spain. He is a fluent speaker of Spanish and is now fully integrated into the social and business community in Cadiz. In the 1980s, Rob, along with his wife and kids and his brother's family, returned to Spain to set up a Mexican restaurant. Due to the lack of raw materials locally, they found that they had to begin to make their own tortillas and chips for the restaurant. And from there, over time, the main business actually became that of manufacturing on a larger scale, which led to the foundation of Supermex Foods. I originally met Rob and his wife at a trade show in Mexico City and we hit it off straight away. We met again sometime later with both our wives in in Cadiz and shared a lovely evening meal and I'm looking forward very much to speaking with him here again today. So I'm delighted to welcome Rob on the line from Cadiz in Spain. Welcome Rob and thank you very much for being here with us today. Well, thank you, Patrick, and uh, it's a great thing to be on your program. Thank you very much. So, Bob, you, <laughs> Rob, you live in the town of Rota in southwestern Spain in the province of uh, Cadiz. Can you situate Cadiz for us on the map? Uh, where is it? How big is it? And what is it like in terms of climate and environment? And what are the main acti- uh, economic activities there? Well, Cadiz is the furthest southern part of Spain. Uh, most people would know it probably from Tarifa, which is the very southern point of continental Europe, uh, where the Straits of Gibraltar are. Mm-hmm. In Gibraltar, that's all Cadiz. Although I live in the other side of it, uh, going up towards Portugal. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to realize that Spain doesn't doesn't end at Gibraltar, that the rest is Portugal. There's actually a big chunk of the Atlantic southern coast here, which is still part of Spain. Yeah, and it's quite it's it's, it's quite it's quite uh, it's quite distinct from the Mediterranean coast, isn't it? In many ways, 
Yes, it is. It's much more. It has a very small, Cadiz has a very small part on the Med. It's mostly an Atlantic uh, area, Atlantic-based uh, 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 areas, yes. And how big, how big is the province of Cadiz? The, the province of Cadiz is about a little over, well, close to seven and a half thousand square kilometers, mm-hmm. which makes it about half the size of Northern Ireland. Okay, okay. So it's considerable. And in terms of uh, climate and, and the environment, what, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Uh, it's similar to people that know the Mediterranean coast, the drier climate uh, we have big periods of the year with little to no rain, so it's uh, not desert by any means, but it's a semi-desert area at certain times of the year, and then we have our rainy season. Um, but it's very much a, uh, a, med- a, it is really a Mediterranean climate, even though we're not really on the Mediterranean. Okay, okay. And the main acti- uh, economic activities, what, what, what kind of things, um, how do people make their living in, in, in Cadiz? Um, it's actually quite a mixture. It's a big agricultural area, so there's a large component of agriculture and agri-industries. Uh, there's also a large winemaking component because of the sherry wines from the Sherry Triangle area of, of Sher- Sherry Jerez de la Frontera. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, nowadays, it also has a, lar- a fairly large uh, aeronautical uh, component, uh, some Airbus facilities here, mm-hmm. and then down in the Algeciras area near Gibraltar, uh, there's the big port of Algeciras and some oil refineries and uh, metal working, metal fabrication facilities and so on. So and, uh, and what about tourism? Is tourism big in the area? Yes, I, I miss probably the <laughs> biggest one of all, which is tourism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, and I guess you get a different uh, you get a different offering uh, depending on whether you go to the Mediterranean side as opposed to the Atlantic side, right? The this Atlantic side, this tourism is a growing amount of international tourism, but it's really been much more unknown and much more of a Spanish tourism area up until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, still is primarily. It doesn't have the the, the 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 draw that the Costa del Sol and the Mediterranean or the Valencia Alicante areas does it's not as well known yeah but that's the nice part about it and that it's not as built up either and uh, mining Rio Tinto that is that's not in Cadiz that's in the next province is it in in Huelva is that right that's correct okay the old mining areas of Rio Tinto and so on is all Huelva which is the next uh, province over. Huelva uh, is the province between Cádiz and the Portuguese border. Okay, so both both Cádiz and Huelva uh, are part of uh, Andalusia, which is one of Spain's um, uh, autonomous regions, and I, and I think it's the largest of Spain's autonomous uh, uh, regions. And I think m- many people in the English-speaking world, they don't fully appreciate how different the Spanish regions are from one another. So what would you say is the most characteristic of, of Andalusia, where, you know, Cadiz and Malaga and uh, Huelva and Seville and all of these places, what sets it apart from other places like Madrid, Barcelona or Valencia? Um, I often say that Andalusia is really the uh, the poster child of Spain. When you see the tourism posters of somebody playing a guitar 
and the people in the flamenco dresses and flamenco and sherry wines and so on, that's really all the characters of Andalusia, uh, an area that, that of, the, of the south that has that kind of uh, warm weather component. Uh, they like their, uh, their, their festivities a lot, mm -hmm. and so that shows through there. <laughs> So this is where this is where flamenco comes from, and this is where um, maybe you know activities like bullfighting and so on would be strongest. Would that be so? Uh, well, bullfighting has lots of different areas, but it is quite strong down here, and there's quite a few um, ranches where they raise the uh, the black bulls or the toros de lidia, as they call them, for for the bull for the bullfights. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been living and working in in the Cadiz region? I have lived here now for 20 years uh, in this area. And so in the answer, you're implying that you lived there previously as well? Correct. I lived, but not in the Cadiz area. As a child, I lived more in the Seville area, uh, other than one year that I spent in Madrid. Okay. And, and what, so that was my, uh, my early experiences in Spain when I learned how to speak Spanish and so on. And then I returned 20 years ago to, to live here now with my own family. Okay, and uh, what brought you to Spain as a, as a child? And what, 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 what era are we talking about? Um, I came to Spain in the very early 1960s Okay. Uh, with my family, with my parents, uh, when I was five years old, uh, to a very different Spain than what people know today. It was still the era of uh, the dictatorship under Franco. Um, and we came here because my father was in the U.S. military at the time and got stationed here. Okay. And so when you went there at five years of age, how long, how long were you there? Uh, seven years. Up until 12. So were you, were you conscious of that, that political situation or did, was that something that was um, on your horizon or were you, were you uh, unawares of it? No, as a child, you're not very aware of it. Little things that we would see or more things that I heard later and talked about with my parents. But, you know, as a child, I wasn't really aware that it was that. Yeah. Now, I, I reckon... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. No, that was all. Uh, I know this might be a slightly embarrassing question, but I do recall that the, uh, the U.S. Air Force uh, lost an atomic bomb someplace in Spain around that time. Is that correct? That's correct. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? <laughs> uh, the, what I know of it, it's, uh, I can't picture exactly where it is, but it's over on the Mediterranean shore... I believe in Almeria is where that happened. It was an accident between a a plane, a B-47, that had nuclear bombs up, uh, aboard during that part of the Cold War. And it was an accident caused by aerial refueling at the time. I think the the the, the bomber banged into the aerial refueling plane, and that's what caused the... The accident and the accident caused the release of several bombs. Obviously, like nuclear bombs, just because you drop them doesn't mean they go off at all. It's just that they <laughs> just as well. Set. It's yes, exactly. 
but uh, two of them, I believe, were damaged in the in the falling in the in the falling and did break open and did spill some radioactive materials at the time. Okay, so living and working in Spain uh, as an adult now, what are the main cultural differences with respect to life, work, business, and so on that you, as an American, have had to adjust to over the last twenty years? Uh, well, lots of things. Uh, Language, even though I already knew Spanish, I knew Spanish as a uh, a 12-year-old or 11, 12-year-old and then hadn't lived here for many, many years and didn't really use Spanish. So I had to bring my language skills up to speed, uh, then get used to the working, the working world, especially in my case, being a investor and trying to run my own business here. Um, and it is uh, a wonderful place to live and a difficult place to run a business. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about the business. So what, what is the business and its products? How many people do you employ? And what kind of customers do you have? And are they just in Spain or do you also export? And do you do any business with us here in Ireland? Um, the business we started here, which is a bit unusual for Spain back uh, 20 years ago, so we're talking like 1996, 97, we started a business to make corn-based products, primarily tortilla chips, um, fried, fried corn products. And at the time, of course, it was not a very well-known product in Spain or anywhere in Europe for that matter. Um, over the years, we've been lucky enough to grow little by little. We now have a facility uh, that produces close to 23,000 kilos a week of tortilla chips, wow. and mm. we employ about 35 people. Great. Uh, and the export? Yeah, in terms of where we sell, it is primarily right now in Spain, including the various islands of Spain, and we do export to various countries. Uh, including England, and our client in England does ship some product to Ireland. And we are in conversations with some people in Ireland to possibly start some export work to, 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 to that to that region. Okay. And we also have some other smaller export clients, but it's a it's a small percentage of our business at this point in time. Yeah, you know, here people often in in their mind they associate Spain and Mexico with each other, but I know that when you began to promote Mexican food and Mexican products in, in Spain 20 years ago, it was quite an uphill struggle. So what, what, what was that like and what kind of resistance did you get to that or what obstacles did you have to overcome? Uh, well, one, one funny anecdote would be the first time that we tried to ship uh, frozen corn tortillas, uh, which is the Mexican-type flatbread uh, made out of corn, mm -hmm to the Canary Islands, and we had to fill out because the Canary Islands is a separate uh, tax area, even though it's part of Spain. So when it went through customs on the forms, it said, tortillas de maíz. And the customs agents came back saying we, we needed some special permission for things that had egg in. Okay. Because the Spanish, of yeah. course, tortilla is usually products that are made with egg. Yeah, eggs, eggs and potatoes and sometimes eggs onions. Now, there's, a big, exactly. there's, a, there's a big debate in Spain as to whether you actually should have onions or not have onions in your Spanish tortilla, right? That is correct. <laughs> okay. So uh, Spain, like Ireland in the last uh, decade or so, has come through a very deep recession, very high unemployment, enormous debt, bank rescues, burst property 
bubble, evictions and all of this type of thing going on. So what's the current state of play with the Spanish economy? And what do you think are the prospects for the future from your own perspective? Um, well, it has improved uh, a lot. Uh, unfortunately, Spain has a very, very bad problem with very persistently high levels of unemployment, which have come down from their peak, but it's still quite high. And this part where I live in southern Spain and Cadiz is probably one of the worst employment areas, not only in Spain, but in all of Europe. Um, in terms of prospects, it is improving uh, quite a bit uh, on the macro level, but it's, uh, there's still some, some time to go before it, it, it gets down to the point where it, where it can pick up more employment and see some rises in the pay scales. To, to start really changing the overall economy. One indicator, I guess, of change would be during, the, during that crisis uh, or prior to the crisis, one of the big things in Spain was construction, especially mm -hmm. of many, many houses along the coast for all the people's summer homes or for other Europeans who wanted a home where it's warmer and in the sunny, sunny beaches of southern Spain. That all came to a halt uh, abruptly during the crisis and now you see construction starting up again construction projects old projects that had been abandoned being completed so that's a good sign and uh, as long as it doesn't overheat and go back to where it was I think that'll be a, a big a big change and also obviously an important part of the uh, economy in terms of jobs and and incomes Mm -hmm. So what do you think is going on in, in Spain? It seems to be a structural problem. So even when the economy is doing well, the unemployment is stubbornly high. What's happening there? Are those figures real or is there something else going on? Well, there are parts of it that are not real because Spain has a traditional uh, bad side of people cheating on many levels, including the fact that they work uh, not legally, and therefore that that whole part of the job market does not get reported. Yeah, submerged uh, economy. That's yeah. part of it, and that, of course, varies in different parts of Spain as to how bad that is. So it, it, the, the, the statistics are not necessarily true, but yet there is, there is a lot of chronic unemployment here. Uh, the fact that there is so much tourism business in Spain and coastal tourism in Spain uh, I mean, jobs makes that makes up for a lot of jobs during certain periods of the year only, and then of course those jobs disappear out of season. So there's a lot of uh, only partial work. Uh, and you and I met first at a trade show in in Mexico City uh, earlier this year in in August, I think it was. And you were there looking for partnering opportunities to enhance your business in Spain. And I was there looking for sources of supply for some of my consultancy clients here in Ireland. And in in a way, it was almost like a tangible manifestation of this phenomenon called globalization, where we can all get out there and find opportunities. So, from your own point of view, what's your own take on globalization and the positive? and the negative of it and the challenges and the opportunities that it, that it provides? Well, globalization is a... It's, it's overall, I think it's a benefit, but like anything, it's, it's a very uh, disruptive uh, um, change in the, in the, in, in, in the world. Um, 
I think people often forget the the impact of having local businesses get, especially smaller businesses, get overrun by products that can come in easily from outside an area, um, and especially products made by larger companies, which are better set up and organized and have the the wherewithal to take advantage of the exports and shipping things around around the world. So it's a mixed bag. It, 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 it affects small businesses. It affects a lot of areas. It creates a lot of opportunities for at the same time. So um, I think it's there's not much we can do about it, at least for the moment. It's here to stay other than the re- recurrent uh, trade wars uh, in part started by the United States recently. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have one perspective on it as a, as a, as a businessman, which perhaps tends to help you see the, the opportunities. People in everyday life in, in, in Spain, politicians and so on, what are they, what are they saying about this, this process there in the, in the media, in the street, in the bar? What, 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 how do people talk about globalization in Spain? Um, it's kind of ironic to me that people, they'll, they'll speak badly of it because they don't, they see it as a way that things are coming in and taking their jobs away. Mm-hmm. And yet those very same people will take their paycheck and go to the, um, Euro stores as I'll call them, which in Spain are almost all run by Chinese. So they're referred to as Chinese, Chinese stores mm-hmm. with all the low end Chinese products and spend their money there without ever thinking about the fact that all that money then just disappears overseas and doesn't do anything about creating <laughs> local local jobs that they're complaining that are being lost. So I think there's that kind of irony constantly. In terms of the politicians, mm, I think in Europe in general, politics tends to be very uh, domestic-focused. Uh, taking advantage of the fact that most voters are not very in tune with what's going on on a bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. I realize my, my next question, the presumption uh, might not be valid anymore because I know there have been recent elections in, in Andalusia and uh, a far-right party has done, has done quite well. But Spain, like many other countries, has seen its politics become more polarized in recent years. And yet it seems that Spain has kept more of an even keel than most. So while we see, it, you know, in, in Italy... Uh, people like um, uh, Salvini, we've seen Trump in, in America, uh, Orban in Turkey, Farage in the UK. We, we don't really see a Spanish equivalent to that. Why do you think Spain is, is different in that regard, or is it different? Um, it has been a little different up till now because it is a very, uh, primarily it's a center-left <laughs> politics in, in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um People fear the right right wing or more nationalistic uh, right parties because of because of the recent history of dictatorship, and the Spanish dictatorship was very much a nationalistic uh, uh, conservative government. And I think people they a lot of people still remember that history and they associate right wing movements even in a democracy, with their experience with dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking of President Trump, Trump uh, how does today's America look from the outside to an American who's been living and working in Europe for so long? Well, <laughs> I think for a lot of us, he's 
He's an embarrassment. <laughs> it's an embarrassment. Okay. Uh, people ask you all the time, what's going on with your country? How could you, how could people vote for somebody like this? And it's, uh, I don't have any answers for them. I, I ask the same question. Yeah. Well, we see, you know, America's been through a lot, you know, everything from slavery, you know, isolationism, world wars, Vietnam, so on. It always comes back. So do you think this... Trump presidency and its America first policies is just another one of those episodes? Or do you think there's something more fundamental and long-term going on there? Uh, on the bigger picture, I think it's just a temporary thing. Um, and I think just as we've seen the swings recently going from a, from a president like Clinton, very much a Democrat and a, a more social president to 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 President Bush, the uh, son, who was much more, again, a right wing, and then it went back to Obama, which was more the other direction, and now it's kind of extreme with Trump. Uh, and I think that'll just, that'll change again. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, some of his actions and things that he does will have a, an impact for quite some time in terms of the way that the political discourse, I think, has been changed, and you break certain barriers of what people now consider to be acceptable in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to something maybe a bit more pleasant. So uh, you and I, after our initial meeting in, in, in Mexico last September, we met again down on the, on the Cadiz coast with our, with our wives and we had a lovely evening meal with uh, retinto beef and almadrava tuna and fabulous wine. So for you, what is the best in food and wine that Cadiz has to offer? And when Irish people go, go out there, what would you recommend to them in terms of uh, where to go and what to eat when they, if they're fortunate enough to to get to Cadiz? Uh, well, lots of Spain in general, and Cadiz just being another part of Spain, uh, has the advantage in general of having very good food and very good wines that are at, at re very reasonable prices. Uh, clearly one of the things that tourists like when they come to Spain. And those that are more foodie-oriented, who... who, who who seek out some of the better restaurants obviously can enjoy that experience quite a bit. Cadiz in general is known more for simple food uh, and lots of fish and seafood because of the big coast in this area and the fishing activities of this area. Um, and also because of the uh, warm, warm climate here, a lot of it is not slow cooked food as much as it is uh, quicker quicker cooked simple simple or simple foods but very good uh, the different seafood the different fresh fish and then of course some of the local cheeses and local meats and the, now the retinto that you mentioned which is a local beef beef from this area so it really is quite a mixture, but very, very good in general. Yeah, I found it really excellent. I uh, look forward to, to getting back there, and uh, we'll be back soon enough. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Rob. It's been really fascinating to get your perspective uh, as an American expat living in Europe on globalization, on business, and on current affairs. So just to finish up, and for any of our listeners in the retail, restaurant, and food services businesses looking to source quality Mexican food products from within the European Union, how can they contact you? Where can they find you, find out more about Supermax Foods, you know, your email, website, and so on you might like to share? 
Um, the best, the best and easiest is to is to look for us on the uh, on the internet to to find our web page. But I'll give it to you. It's uh, supermax at. I'm sorry. It's the uh, supermax foods. With an S, a plural, supermaxfoods.com. Supermaxfoods.com. Yeah, that's clear. Supermaxfoods.com. I was confusing it with our, with our email. <laughs> okay, okay. Various things with the same ending. Okay, yeah, I've, I, I've had a look at the website. There's some good videos on there. Um, uh, some of them are in Spanish, of course, but I think some of them are in English. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Robert, and the, the, the time of year that we are. I'll say happy Christmas to you and happy Christmas to your family. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. The webpage is in both Spanish and English. Okay, that's excellent. All of it on there, other than, of course, if there's some videos that we did internally in Spanish, well, those may be only in Spanish. Okay, but great. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Uh, happy Christmas or holidays to all of your listeners. Thank you, Rob. Feliz año. Feliz año. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.